Uh, so the goal is not to scare people off of marriage. Um, <laughs> but we... Okay. We did spend uh, about seven vadim. I'm just going through the dating process. This is going to... I feel right now a little more challenged. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Dating process, I can tell you whatever I want. Because uh, this is what you're supposed to do, okay. Uh, you know, and whoever doesn't do it is breaking the rules. But Lamaisa, when it comes to marriage, so we were all born from parents, right? So if I'm going to say something that's not what you're used to, so then, okay, you know, you're taking a swipe at my family. And if I'm going to say what you are used to, then. Right. And so I just want to say it like this that maybe we don't understand exactly how our parents are necessarily doing things. And it's not about saying that what people did is wrong. But to try to give a, a basic, I guess, hashkafa of marriage and that, how many of these bad are we going to have? I don't know. Who knows? But there's definitely hanhagas habayis. And why are we doing that when most of us are not married yet or even engaged? And the reason for that is it for sure could help the process of what we're looking for, of whom we're looking for, how we're trying to develop the home. And if anybody has any uh, good hours, I always feel bad for the... We have quite a big listening audience. A big shout-out to whoever listens to this. But they miss out on all the good questions. So if anybody has uh, good questions or, or critique or whatever it is, <clears throat> so please uh, say that. I'd like to be mocked him like this. You know, you, we hear the phrase shalom bayis. Shalom bayis, really, that lashon of having shalom in the home comes from the Gemara. And the, the Gemara says that even HaKadosh Baruch Hu sometimes would like veers from the truth in order to preserve shalom in the home. If um, a woman is a saita and therefore there's not shalom between her and her husband, so Hashem allows His name to be erased. It's a pretty serious thing, erasing Hashem's name. But Hashem's okay with that in order to preserve Shalom. So you hear things like that. So what does this term Shalom Ba'is mean? What does shal- peace of the house? What does Shabbat Shalom mean? I don't know, that's why I just say good Shabbos. <laughs> Peaceful Shabbos. Excuse me, just don't fight. Uh-oh. Okay, so what is this Shalom Bayis thing? What does it mean? Again, I'm not giving a shmooz. This Avad, Vad is, you know, we, we, we get down to Lomaisa, but I'd like to give a little bit of Ashkafa and then to get down to some of the practical basics. Let's use um, wartime as an example, and then we'll bring it to yeshiva life, and then we'll take it to marriage. 19, um, when did Israel fight with Egypt? Which time? <laughs> Which time? Yeah, well, 56? 67? 56. 67 was against them. 56. 56, right? When did they? No, but it was a little bit later when they made the peace agreement with Egypt. No, that was that was well, yeah, when was that? Like, that was in the 70s. When was it? Like 76 or something? All right, so let's say you have two. two uh, that's not the model of peace. Okay, Israel made peace at some point with Egypt. I wouldn't use that as the model, model of a peaceful house. Because basically what happened when they made, they were trying to kill each other. And finally they decided they weren't going to do it anymore. It really wasn't Kedai. So they made a truce, they made an agreement that we're no longer fighting. 
That's peace. peace. That's one type of peace. Peace is that we're not fighting. We don't disagree. We don't fight. We're going to have nothing to do with each other. Um, but we're going to do whatever we can to preserve the non-fighting stance. You have a different type of peace, which is, let's say, like um, uh, United States and China, which if we have common goals and we could gain from each other, then we'll do things together. Not that we particularly enjoy spending time together. We don't understand each other. With the interpreters, we kind of get... But I need your products and you need my product, so that's a shadow. Which means there's another type of peace where the definition of that peace is not just that we're not fighting, but we share a common goal, we share common interests, and therefore, in the name of those common interests, we come together. Are you with me? There's another type of peace, which is not just that we're not fighting, and not just that we share common interests or perhaps even common goals, but the peace is so... We're going to get away from the word peace. Shalom comes from the word shleimus. Shleimus is that we fuse two different things together to create a new shleimus, that we become a new entity. You have two countries who not only are not fighting, and not only do they do business together, but they say, why do we need two countries? So let's just merge, like the United Kingdom, or what used to be uh, the European Union, you know, or, or things like that. Where you have, we're all going to become one big con. Why should we just be two like, different components when we could have? And that's a much, much deeper. When we talk about Shalom Bayes, we're not talking, yes, sometimes couples fight. Sometimes they do. Sometimes couples, they share common interests. Very often when people date, they're not just trying to, could we civilly like, not fight? It's rarely the, the, the main goal. Not good to fight on a day. But, it, it, but we try to say, do, do we share common interests? It's way, way, way deeper than that. Because sometimes people interest, people's interests change. And I'll bring you a riot. Look at your own. How many people in this room over the past 10 years have had exactly the same interests? Five years? Four years? Three years? People's interests change. And people's goals often change. So there's a much deeper sense. A deeper sense is that I'm ready to leave me and my interests. Obviously, I want to pursue my, but I'm, I'm doing something so much bigger here. I'm creating a new entity with another person that it's no longer me or he and she, but we're creating a new entity called a we, called an us. And that's really what Shalom Bayat says. I'll give an example. You have a puzzle. Uh, Ronan, you ever play, uh, made a puzzle? How, many, how much was the most pieces you ever did? A thousand. Whoa! <laughs> I stopped by like 30 you know, with those little pieces. You know, it's a thousand piece puzzle, right? And you're really hoping that they didn't forget one of the pieces when they put it into that box. But let's say even, you know, you, you, somebody made the puzzle and then you, you, uh, you have all the pieces. It's a complete puzzle, but it's not whole. It's complete because you have all the pieces. It's a complete package. You have everything you need. But it's whole when all those different pieces come together. Because if you have, let's say I take on this table and don't try this at home. If I had put two feet here 
two ears, two eyes, a couple of teeth, um, hair. Right? Most stuff that goes on with the human body, we pile it all here on the... You still don't have a person. Just because you have all the components doesn't mean you have the whole. The whole sometimes is much greater than the summation of its parts. What I'm trying to say is that what we're trying to achieve when we talk about Shalom and Shalom Bayis and Shleimus is, and this is why the Torah makes such a, f- a focus, the Chazal and the Svarim are so heavy on the, the responsibilities in marriage and what we're supposed to be, what we're looking to, uh, to do is something almost inhumane uh, or, or beyond human, which is it's not just a, a he and a she that are from Mars and Venus or wherever they come from and are trying to, trying to find enough common interest in coming together. What we're really doing, and I, I hope over the Vatican this will become clear, but what we're trying to do is to take two, a he and a she, and to fuse them together, that it's not just, oh, you have a he and a she who happen to be living at the same address, but we're creating a couple. We're creating a, a Jewish home. We're creating another link in the chain of Nitzchias, coming from Avraham Avinu all the way down to Yemaisa Mashiach, and that's what we're doing. And it's going to require a lot of work and a lot of self-sacrifice. And what we're going to gain from it is such bliss and such incredible, if we do things right, and we stop looking at he and she and me and you, and it becomes us, and often we forget, and people are human. But that's our goal, that's our dream, that's what we're trying to do, is to achieve this new unit or entity called the Bayes, called Shlemus, and this is what we spoke about when we first started, is that we're getting married so that we build a home. We're getting married so that we build a family, so that we become, we fuse and become this new thing. This is the Rav Shimon Shkab, in the Akdama to the Shari Yosher. He says, you know, a little baby, he talks about egocentricity. A little baby, when a baby is born, the baby thinks of one thing, its own comfort. If the baby's dirty, it cries. It could be three o'clock in the morning and you didn't go to sleep till late. It doesn't make a difference. It screams because it needs uh, when a person gets a little older, so he realizes that there's other people. Um, he realizes that his seichel also is part of him. He, real, he realizes that other people are a part of him. But until a person really matures, do other people become part of his eye? In other words, when I'm a baby, my eye consists of my stomach and my bowel movement, and that's about it. When I become a little bit older, my eye expands to more of me. Maybe my Ruchnias and my Gashmias. My, when I become, when I get married, the goal is that it's not me and, and you, it's that there's a bigger I. When a Mitzvah I have a family and I bring children into the world, that's also part of my I. Meaning, if somebody does something to my child, I take it personally. Somebody says something to my wife, the Rabbi Levine went with his wife to the doctor and says, My wife's arm hurts us. So what? <laughs> What did she do to you with that arm? You know, like the Yaakov of you know, Esau bites Yaakov's neck. So it says both of them were crying. And so then the Targum Yerushalmi says, Yaakov was crying because his neck turned into marble. That, that hurts. Esau because his teeth went into that marble. You know, that's... Um... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I want to... So, so what do we do? How do we fuse that? So Chazal, don't keep us in the dark. Chazal, clue us in. Chazal, let us know that there is 
Um, there are ways to do this. And if we read the manual and we realize we learn how to do it, then we stand a chance of being able to do it right. And there's a lot on it. I'd like to recommend the following two books, and if you don't have a chance. This one came out in Tafshin Ayin Aleph. I was intrigued until I opened it. This consists of 590 pages of uh, the responsibilities of the husband to the wife. It's called Ish Isha Shezachu. This fellow Pinchas Raz put this out. Tafshin Ayin Aleph. 590 pages. I said, it's not cool. It's got to be a sequel. And it came out two years later. More pages, 652 pages of responsibilities of the wife to the husband. My wife hasn't done this one yet. I mean, hasn't gone through it. Uh, I, I haven't really finished the first volume yet myself. But I'm bringing this... There's really a lot of stuff in it. There's a tremendous amount. There's a story that goes that there was one time a shaykhet that came over to Rabbi Yisrael Salanter and he came to hand in his resignation. He says, I'm no longer the shaykhet of the town. He says, why? He says, you know, Shulchan Aruch, you're a day, it's not Pashat. You know, you shechting meat for the island, chas v'sham, if you don't do it right. Rashid was telling us today, parah beis ashkita. It's not Pashat, you got to do the, if you don't do it right, I'm being machshol the island. He says, I hear that. The yoredeh is takarav. So you go now in, into what? He says, I'm going to go into business. He says, you ever went through all three volumes of Chayish and Beshpat? I talk about Raf. <laughs> I mean, you know, Shechita is just a couple of simanim. That is, before you engage in something, you've got to go through the halacha. Uh, pun intended. So before you get engaged in and <clears throat> it's a lot of pages. Um, now that both volumes are out, you, you know, but it is a lot which covers a tremendous amount of things. The beauty of this is, and the point that I'm trying to make is, that there's a tremendous amount of, of advice and halacha that Chazal give us, and the reason for all of this is, oh, what do you mean? Why? i got to do this. I don't have to do that. The point is, but if I do it, and I, I pay attention to it, and I, I listen to the subtleties behind it, I could have such an enriched marriage and not just that we'll get along great, you know, we won't fight. But right on our tombstones, we never fought. No, that's not, it's an accomplishment, don't get me wrong. <clears throat> but it, it's so much more. We're talking about creating this new, this new unit, this new entity called an us. So what we did find is that the Rambam, when he talks about how to conduct oneself in a home, he condensed this all to one halacha, which is really nice. After seeing the over a thousand pages, the Rambam in... And this is what we're going to go with. Halacha Yud. Oh, sorry. Okay, Perk Tesvav Halacha Yud Tes. Because we don't have any ladies here in the room. So. And the Ramam first talks about what, the way the husband treats the wife before the way the wife treats the husband. So why don't we work on this first, and then we'll see what we tell our wives. Or we tell the Kala teachers to tell the wives. So it's basically <clears throat> three lines where the Rambam tells us what... Ah, oh, now it's getting serious. Let me to draw attention. Baruch Atah Adonai Aleheinu Melech Ha'olam Shalom. Okay, so here goes. I'm just going to read through this where the Rambam tells us seven <clears throat> great pieces of advice and we're going to, Mitzvah Shem, <clears throat> focus tonight on the first 
and just try to understand and get a little bit of a taste of a flavor of what this is. The Rambam says that Kesvechein Tzibu Chachamim. The Chachamim commanded us, this is Perk Tesvav of Hilchus Ishus Halacha Yetes. The Chachamim commanded us that a husband needs to um, do the, the following seven things. Number one, and this is really in the Gemara. You have to honor your wife, respect your wife more than yourself. Okay. Love her like yourself. It's like you love yourself. Okay, so the first one is, we learn from here that a person, the first thing which we're going to discuss tonight is that there's a mitzvah to be mechavid, your wife. You've got to respect, you got to treat her with respect. We'll see what that means. How much? More than you do to yourself. Love, there's a mitzvah to love your wife. It's an emotion. <clears throat> how, how much? Like yourself. Okay? Do that next time. Then he says, just to, to speak out the halacha, depending on how much money you have, is how much you give her things that are good for her. If a person has money, so you've got to be increasingly um, spending with your money for whatever is good for her. Which means if you're on a kailo budget, you know, you're on a kailo budget. If you're an investment banker, you're an investment banker's budget. Um, don't be a tyrant. Don't instill fear in her. Lay, lay the law down, you know. With you heard me? Should I repeat myself? Which word didn't you understand? <laughs> so we don't do that. The person has to speak to his wife calm. Benachas. Nachas is in a calm way. Soft way. And then we'll get to two other halachas. Not supposed to be upset in your home, even if it's not directed towards her. You just got fired that day, or uh, the boss said something mean. Deal with that outside, not inside. What? Veloy Reigas. You can't be angry in the house, even if it's not directed to her. That's it. These are seven things. The Rambam says if you do this, it's going to be amazing. Actually, he doesn't say that, but he says that this is what the Chachamim are telling us to do. And I'm, I'm adding to that that once we go through it, through these things, that this is what we're going to be doing in Mitzvah Shem. Um, a lot of what I'm going to be sharing comes from Rabbi Avram Ganachovsky, right, the Rosh Hashiva of Chavin, that they just recently put out his Chassam Shmuzin that he gave guys. Um, it was before they were married or after they were married. <clears throat> it's really fascinating. I have multiple copies of his Sefer if guys would like to go through it afterwards or while you're doing it to, to see it the way he says it. It's really, really, really beautiful. Very, very, very basic um, concepts. It brings it down on a very practical level. So I'm going to be paraphrasing a lot of that and perhaps adding, maybe not saying certain things. Um, but we're going to be going with that Mahalach. And this is really what he does. He says, you know, we're all from Jews. And like we just said from Rabbi Israel, that when a person, uh, if I'm going to be a shaykh, I better know you're a day. And if I'm going to become a businessman, then I've got to know Chayshin Mishpat. And if I'm a religious Jew, then I've got to know Arachayim. 
Right? We've got to know that there's halachas of how to get up in the morning and how to get dressed and how to go to the restroom and how to daven um, and all of that and how to eat and how to bench and all of these halachas. And there's also halachas of how to treat a wife. And just to go back to the hashkafa point that we started with, the goal of this, because the goal of marriage, it's not just halachas ben adam lechaber, even though it's a lot of that. You've got to be a mensch to other people. Yeah. For the record, of course I know how to treat a wife. I have roommates. Please don't treat her like you treat your roommates, uh, even the ones you're nice to. It's a little more than that. You know, some people have a relationship with their roommates after the last time that, you know, they got into whatever. So you have your space, I have my space. Others have common interests. You know, they share the same uh, likes of music or, or times of going to sleep. Why don't we do that? Common interests, right? yeah, you go to sleep at 10 o'clock, I go to sleep at 10 o'clock. A match made in heaven, let's go to sleep. <laughs> uh, you know? And then you have others that uh, their room is a, it's a, it's a matzah. You know what I'm saying? They're, they're, people's personalities change in the room. We, we become a chevra, we do everything together. New square together, Steinpatzel Shabbos together, uh, boycotting Yeshiva Shabbos together. They, uh, people you know, have a certain culture that they... Uh, while being in the dorm for Shabbos. <laughs> you know, that's um, the, the real way to do it. Okay, so I wanted to speak a little bit. So what is this idea of covet? And I was wondering if we cut it in the book, which is the one to the wife. <laughs> it's mamish to the last page. <laughs> so maybe I'll get like 40 pages on this here. That's uh, mamish. Like almost like an afterthought. Covered. <laughs> page tough kuftzadi. <laughs> Ad Kama, he quotes the Gemara, quotes the Rambam, covered. And he points out that it's written in the Ksuba. You know, Ksuba is a very, very important document. The Sadiq Kedushan always tells the Kala under the Chuppah, you really can't lose this thing. And if you do lose it, then there's an Isra of Yichud without your Ksuba. So you've got to get another one written up. It's a different Ksuba than the one that they use under the Chuppah. Um, Isaac, if you lose it, get another one, okay? Uh, and all the other Isaacs in the room. Uh, the one that a lot of people use, the Nusach, the stipler himself, wrote a Ksuba de Irkasa. His wife couldn't find her Ksuba. It's always, you know, kind of like what we tell them. Every time I've done a Ksuba de Irkasa, you know, don't worry, the stipler and his wife, and then Reb Chaim Kanievsky, and so I've got to have a kid like that. <laughs> okay, anyway. So I wanted to go over just some of the points. We don't have a lot of time. But let's try to go through some of it. We know that there are certain people that there's a mitzvah of covered to, right? There's covered to a Talmud Chacham. We know what that means. You stand up, and he walks in the room, um, you talk to him uh, in the third person, let's say, right? And things like that, you don't address him by his name for sure. Um, and, you know, there's halachas of a Talmud Chacham. We're familiar with that. We're in Yeshiva, you know, we're, we're sensitive to it. Yeshiva walks in, that's why the office door makes noise. So that even if you're really, really, really focusing on your davening, don't pretend you didn't hear. Stand up. Or Shiva walked in, stand up. Okay. Uh, but it's, it's an opportunity to give kavodat and, and things like that. We know that there's a mitzvah to be mechabit parents. Mitzvah to be mechabit parents. Different shitas in the place. Do you have to really respect them? Or do you have to treat them with respect? Let's go with the Chaya Adam shita. He's the mekel. He says... 
Actually, he's not the main goal, right? He says that you have to treat, you have to really believe that there are nichvadei aretz. So, you know, we'll go with the Rambam Shita. Where the Rambam seems to say that your fear is of Hashem, your covet is of but it means that practical things, you have to give them to drink, you have to give them to eat. If they ask you to do things for them, you do it. So we know that there's this covet to step-parents, this covet to older siblings. That's why I became the oldest sibling. So at least I'm, I'm off the hook with that one. Um, my younger siblings, I don't think they've learned the halacha yet. But you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> but um, I don't even know if you're older siblings. But if you have older, so there is Indian of kibbutz. But what is this covet of a wife? Who ever thought of that? What does that mean? It's smart, it's for sure. What does that mean? And what do we mean when we say that you have to be mechabed your wife more than you mechabed yourself? So the way Rabbi explains it is like this. He says, covet of the wife basically means, and I'll give you the basic phrase, and then we'll go through some practical like, applications of it, and keep it in your memory bank. <clears throat> he says, covet means to see to it, covet is actions. It doesn't have to mean that, you know, in your heart of hearts, you think she's the most harsh of a person. You know, it's not a bad thing if you respect your wife. But it means you, you do things for her. You do things, it's actions, you do things for your wife that make her more comfortable, that make her feel appreciated. And more than yourself means, even if it's at the expense of yourself. Okay? Do we have that? So doing things for wife that um, show her that she's cherished, that she's respected, that she's important to you, even at the expense of self. I'll give you an example. These are some examples that he gives. I'll give you an example of an action and of, uh, you know, of, of, of a few different actions. Action number one. And uh, for those of us in the room who are married, so you, for those of you who are not married, you say, this is just crazy. For those of us who are married, so we've dealt with this. Okay? Um, please don't play this for your wives. Okay, I think we just have one here that's married. Okay, but, um, but this is what goes on sometimes. You come home, you've had a rough day in yeshiva, Kailo, Yechavruza was not saying glata svaras. It's getting out of hand. You know, and fine, you, know, you got through the day. You come home, and uh, she's sitting on the couch. And the one place you want to go right now is you, you, you just need to relax a few minutes. You've got to go to the couch. And she's tired from doing what? Not clear. Okay? But she's tired. She's on the couch. And she says, hey, could you please go to the kitchen and get me, um, you know, whatever it is. I've got to take my vitamin today. All right. So you're standing up anyway. She's sitting. But that's Hochus Menschlechite. But you don't, you get it. You did it for your roommate also. You just plop down into the recliner. You press the button, the feet are up. She's not even on a recliner. She's closer to the kitchen. She says, You know, you please give me my vitamins. And you're like, Why did they tell me this? They did right now. Okay? That's what they're doing. They're telling you this, that that's what sometimes wives are going to do. If, if they do that, then what we do is, sure. And what you think in your mind is, I'm being the kind, the first of the seven things that the Rambam told me, quoting Chazal, that I'm supposed to do, which is be mechabed, my wife, and give up something, right? even though it's something I don't really want to do right now. It's giving up something that I would rather not. I'd rather be on the couch. Let her get off the couch. <clears throat> and... 
So yeah, she, she already had the couch for an hour. Or she's closer to the kitchen. You're being mechabed your wife. Yosar migufad. Covered? It's not an issue of covered. This is pure abuse. So I don't know if we're going to have a chance to, to deal with that right now. She's been so unreasonable. I don't know if we ever can have a chance to get there, but I want to just give you a few more examples. Um, if she laughs at you as she does it, then go talk to a rabbi. And she says, do it. I heard the tape. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's, uh, you know, that, that's not good. Um, you know, we make house calls or whatever it is. I didn't mean that or whatever. But all the, she says she's tired. Could you do it? Sometimes wives have, and this you'll get when you, you know, when you get the chas and shmuz and things like that, they operate differently. There's certain things that stress them out. That men are just much more focused on the bottom line, talkless. Um, they get very nervous about guests. Food has to be just whatever, and the house has to be just whatever, and um, Friday is always stressful. There's nothing to be done. There's nothing to be, it was all done Thursday night. What are you stressed out of? I, I'm still going to make What? I, I, I got to make it. <laughs> Whatever it is, I'll find something to make. Uh, everything could be ready. It's <laughs> one search from, from Rabbi Yisrael Reisman. He says, you know, when Hashem made the world, he, he, Erev Shabbos, Ben Hashemash, he made 10 things. He says, it could be, that's what, no matter what you've had done, there's always like 10 things to be done, Ben Hashemash. <laughs> um, but the wives feel it. And the guy said, like, what's the big deal? I need your help. Do you really? I'm more of like, I do the, I do the mikvah at one o'clock, and then my minute is to go and sit and learn in the base madrash uh, all the afternoon. And in fact, I did that during the morning also. I need your help. What do you need? Just tell me, give me a list, I'll, I'll take care of it. I, I need you around, you don't understand? Stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> well, you know, you have, you, you, okay, you need it? So you stay out of the kitchen and you. And Rav Ganachowski is talking to Hasidic Shabbacharim, and he's talking to himself, and I was close to Rav Ganachowski in my day. Um, he was a, one of the Gedolim, he was a Gadol that the Stipler stood up for. He was somebody who had a, a son my age, who died when we were both 16 of leukemia. And as a result, I had a tremendous Nesiyah Schenner. I would go to the house for Shabbos, beautiful picture. His wife wanted a picture of the dead son, and he didn't want it. It was just too hard for him. Finally, they came up with a pshara that if they would use a clef and write the words with beautiful ksav and put on the top, then he was okay with it. Real holy man. But anyway, I, I saw the way, he, the way he conducted himself in his house. And she wasn't ordering him around the house, but women get stressed out, I think. Even when a kid like me, who then was 18 or 19 years old, and this man's a huge Rosh Hashiva and everything else, and she, there were always people... Even a small guest creates a certain, a certain metach, a certain, you know. So he uses the, that as an example. He says, your wife's not paro. That's his lashon. She's not working you befarach. Right? She needs you. That's why she's saying it. She's not a tyrant. She, she wasn't cruel before she married you. She's not an abusive. That's what women do. Speak to any other married man who's honest. That's what they do. Like, what's the big deal? And what's the big deal? But she's feeling the big deal. So instead of arguing and debating it, so give her what she needs to help her get through it. <clears throat> um, yeah. 
give the Gemara. The Gemara Baba Metzian, Nun Tes. The Gemara over there says, what do you do when a couple disagrees? He wants one thing, she... We just for like another three, four minutes. He wants one thing, she wants something else. So who wins? Actually, who wins? What does the Gemara say? And the Gemara says it depends what they're arguing about. Listen to this Gemara. An amazing thing. The Gemara says um, if they're arguing about spiritual matters, we go with his, with his opinion. If they're arguing about matters that pertain to the house, mainly the Besa, we go with her. Uh, she's being unreasonable. I, I never wanted a gray couch. I always wanted burgundy. Okay, it's going to be gray. Okay, that's what she wants. You could debate the point. That's fine. But if you get to an impasse, the Gemara says that that's how you do it. Mili de Beza. What are we having for supper tonight? Uh, what color shades? Or whether we're going to have shades at all? It's... But when a person does it, the Gemara says that you have to be misyaches. It's one of the ways to be mechabed, your wife. is her opinion counts. A woman needs to feel... I remember my first experience when I was teaching high school of dealing with marital strife because most of my guys were not married. It was, it was a 12th grade class. But I remember once at a PTA where um, the couple came and it just wasn't good. And she says to me in front of her husband, she says, you know, he doesn't... He, she points to him. He's so inconsiderate. I'm so not important. He says, what? They just built like a huge house in Lawrence, a huge house. He says, I put in a million dollar kitchen or whatever it is. She says, yeah, but you didn't ask my opinion about a single thing. I once read a bumper sticker that said, I don't need your present, I need your presence. See, I don't need your presence. Yes, I need your presence. Don't, don't just give me stuff. Show me that I'm important to you. Consult her opinion. I, I don't like that. You're right. You, you don't have to like it. Nobody says you have to like everything that goes on in your house. doesn't say that in any of the svarim. It's nice if you, if you get it. And definitely you could ask for it. And then you could try to reason. But lamaisa, that's part of mechabda yoyser migufay. If there's a, a, a two uncomfortable pillows in the house, and one comfortable pillow, you say to her, listen, I'll give you the two. I'm just going to take one. No. There's only one comfortable pillow. She gets it. What do you mean? I, I, you think she learns? I, I'm in curl all day. I, I got to say it. I need to have a clear mind. I need a clear mind. So go buy yourself a pillow. Okay. But if there's one good pillow, she gets it. That's the halacha. And if she says it's okay, you keep it, then debate the point. Say, no, I, I want you. And she says, it's okay, it's okay, I see you're not sleeping. And she doesn't realize, sneak it in. Okay. All right, what happens still? Okay, fine. Okay, if, if, you're, if it really makes you happy. But at least, and not to fake it. Believe me, this first thing that we're speaking about now, which again is the first thing we're going to end with is that we're talking about that there's a part, the recipe that we're trying to create is not just Hilchas Ben how do you treat a, a friend? You know, I had a conversation with somebody very, very recently. 
The kind of girl he's looking for is his best friend. He wants her to be his best friend. Somebody will always be there for him. Somebody who he'll want to be there for her. And I said to him, you're making a mistake. It's great if she, if she is your best. It's great. It's awesome. But you can't look for a wife. If, and that's basically his criteria. Who's going to fill your needs and your wants. And part of your want is to give. Oh, I, why do you want to give? How do you know if you're ready? Oh, I just want to be there for the other person. Really? You're a guy. Come on. You know, but it, it has to be that we're creating a bias. We're creating something that's... And I'm not saying you shouldn't want to give or want to have somebody who's a close friend. But it's not all about your personal wants. We're creating a bias. And one of the things that you need to be prepared to do to create this bias is to be mechabed your wife. What does it mean to be mechabed your wife? Her opinion counts. Her opinion matters. You're mesiaches with what she says, which means that you're reckoned with what she says. In fact, her opinion is going to be the one that carries the day when we're done with it. If we reach an impasse, I don't convince her. And um, if it means that I have to give up on a convenience, I'll give you one last one on, on our way out of the door. One last one that he gives. This is more of an Eretz Yisrael thing. Everybody buys something in the Makola, right? But over here also, there's stores. Even if it's not a Makola, there are stores. She forgot to get something. Let's say she does the shop. Because, you know, let's say, you know, I'm not going to go with the Kohl thing now. You know, let's say you're working. Working out all day, you get up, you daven vasikin, and then you go and, and learn for two hours, and then you go to work, right? Come back late at night, uh, late at night. You come back six, seven o'clock at night, you're, you're, you're wiped. You've been going strong since 4.30 in the morning. Okay, comes home, and there's no salt. You ever had a soup of that salt? No, I haven't bought salt. You have to, I'm also, personally, I'm a salt yet, right? And so, what do you do, right? There's no soul. So, give her the keys, right? Yeah. Here's the keys. Um, I'll no, you offer to go. What do you mean? But I'm so tired. She's not as tired as I am. That's part of being mechabda, you're And what's the nusach you use about the salt? Your food is so much tastier when there's salt in it. You really want to enjoy your food. I'm a big salt guy, you know. <laughs> I like my food with salt. Now, you worked so hard on the soup. The meatloaf, you, I, there's no way this took five minutes. There's a, there's a meatloaf. So they're extolling the virtues of this meatloaf. I said, it'll be wasted on me without the salt. I'll be back in ten minutes with the salt. Have a good night. <laughs> It's still Kedai. Have you ever actually heard that before?